Good morning. It's always good to be with you. I'm always impressed with this time we have together as I think about just all the different experiences that are collected in this room and that God is able to reach each one of our hearts through songs that we sing, through his word that we listen to, uh, through prayers that we say. And uh, Carrie, I want to thank you for focusing our hearts as we centered around the table on prayer. Uh, a few days ago, our, our family was talking about prayer, and Riley was, was mentioning how difficult it is to, to say prayers to God and hope that God will do exactly what we ask. And then there's times when it doesn't seem like God responds in the ways that we hope. And Reese, our six-year-old, five-year-old, was thinking, well... I have something to say about that, and so she lets Riley finish, and then she says, yeah, you know, I've been praying for a couple of weeks to be gooder, and it's not working. <laughs> I said, honey, that's not exactly how that prayer works. You, you pray, and then you've got to make some, some decisions yourself, and we'll, we'll, we'll get into that when you're older, but don't we all pray to be gooder? And don't we all struggle with, with what that looks like and what that means? We want to be good. And God creates us in goodness. And we're going to be focusing our hearts on that promise this morning. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you so much for your son. And for the life that, that he lived and the life that he says through his example we can live as well. We pray that as we open our hearts to your word this morning, as we open our hearts to scripture, that you would help us to trust in you, that you would help us to be drawn closer to you. We thank you for all the ways that you speak to us in times of worship like this one. And we ask that you would help us to open not only the eyes of our hearts, but also to open the places in our hearts where we can listen and be changed through what we hear. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. So we're, we're continuing this series on God's story, the story of scripture. And, and we want to, to begin from a place of understanding that not only is the Bible telling us the best possible story we could listen to, it's also telling us the, the biggest possible story we could listen to, the, the story, the only story that I know of that is actually big enough for all of us to have enough space to be addressed by that story, and not only to, to hear it, but to be a part of that story. The, the story of the Bible is not just one that we read, it's a story that we're a part of. It's a story that, that belongs to us, and we belong to it, but it's more than just our story. It is God's story. It is the story of, of God and God's love and God doing everything imaginable to, to reach us through that love. Now, we know from our own experience that God and God's love are not the only spiritual forces at work in our world. That as much as we can say that that there is good in our lives, be, lives because of God and God's love, there are also times where we are fully aware that there's some evil. That with all the light that is in our life, we have to admit that there are shadows 
that we struggle through, that there are even places of deep darkness that we don't understand and that we would give anything to get away from. This story we're caught up in, this story that we're living in, whether we already know it or not, or whether we've already known that but we have forgotten it, it it's a... It's an overarching story that contains within it countless other smaller stories of victory and defeat, of obedience and disobedience, of life-giving wholeness and life-destroying sin. Everything that has ever happened is in this story. Everything that is happening now is in this story. Everything that will ever happen is in this story. The story of the Bible doesn't just tell us the truth of of what happened once in the lives of people a long time ago, but the Bible also tells us us the truth about what's going on in, in our lives, what's still happening in my life and in your life right now. What that means is that the Bible does more than tell us a historical truth. It does tell us historical truth, but it also rings true to our own experiences. We read places in the story of Scripture and we find that we've been there before. That we've had those same thoughts. That we've wrestled with those same doubts. That we have experienced that same goodness. The Bible helps us understand that we're not the first person to ever experience a joy that has the power and the ability to carry us through. We're not the first person who has struggled with moments of despair that threaten to tear us apart. You are not the first person who's had life. You're not the first and you are not alone. God is with you. God is with us, working in our lives. God is not only the author of the story of Scripture, but God is the main character of every single verse. God is not only the one writing the story, but God is the one redeeming the story. And God is the only way that in the end we can trust that everything is going to turn out all right. But this morning we aren't going to be focusing on the end. This morning we're going to be focusing on the beginning. And I do mean the very beginning. As a kid I always loved the, the images that we we would talk about together as a family when my parents would tell me the story of how everything got started. There was, there was nothing, nothing but a, a dark and formless and empty world. And then out of nowhere, God cleared his throat and with great purpose declares, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that it was good. And God said, Let there be skies above and water below. And as soon as he said those words, the skies begin to form and the seas gather together. And God says, let there be dry land in the midst of the sea. And the dry land is formed. And God sees and says that it's good. And he keeps talking. He's, He's not done describing what he wants to see happen. He's not done declaring what he wants to create. And so he says, let there be plants and trees to cover that dry ground. He sees that it's good. He says, let there be lights in the sky by day and by night, and the sun, moon, and stars burst into the brightness of being. 
And then he says, let there be animals, let there be life in the skies and the seas. And the skies and the seas are teeming with life. And it's good. And then God says, let there be animals that fill the dry land in every direction. And what he says comes true. And at every step of the way, God sees that it's good. But but God isn't quite finished creating yet. There's one more amazing gift of life that God still wants to give. Open your Bibles up to the very beginning, Genesis chapter 1. We'll start reading together in verse 26. Then God said, let us make humanity in our image to resemble us so that they may take charge of the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, all the earth, and all the crawling things on earth. Excuse me, my brand new Bible pages are not coming apart. Okay, God created humanity in God's own image, and in the divine image, God created them. Male and female, God created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fertile and multiply, fill the earth and master it. Take charge of the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and everything crawling on the ground. And then God said, I now give to you all the plants on the earth that yield seeds and all the trees whose fruit produces its seeds within it. These will be your food to all wildlife, to all the birds of the sky and to everything crawling on the ground, to everything that breathes. I give all the green grasses for food. And that's what happened. God saw everything he had made and it was supremely good. Now, God doesn't just give life to Adam and Eve. He blesses them. He he offers them a bright future full of hope and promise. The world and everything in it, God says, is theirs to love and to lead. God gives them the, the charge and the challenge to run things the way they ought to be run. And, and though we're not, we're not people who can say we were there when God first spoke these words, we're hearing these words now. And like Adam and Eve before us, We are given that very same blessing, and we are given that same charge, that same challenge. The world and everything in it is ours to lovingly lead. Now, after speaking these words, God looks around at everything and everyone he's made, and he knows that it's not just good, it's very good, it's supremely good. He has succeeded in doing what he set out to do. He has created a world full of life, and not just any kind of life, not just fish in the sea and birds in the air and animals that move along the ground, but God has succeeded in creating a very specific, special kind of life in the midst of all the rest of it. God has spoken and God has created human beings, people. And there seems to be something that that sacredly sets human beings apart from all the rest of creation, that God is not only sharing his life with us, but his love with us. The very same love that God the Father already shares with God the Son and God the Spirit, that's the love that God longs to share with every single person God will ever create. And God can tell right away, right from the start, that that there's this potential there. 
God can see this, this holy potential to build a trusting partnership with us, to build this, this beautiful relationship with us, a, a life-changing relationship built on the unshakable bedrock, bedrock foundation of self-giving love. That that's the kind of relationship we were created to experience. It's the kind of relationship God longs to share with us. The, the Godhead of creation accomplishes this miracle by giving us something that sets us apart. And that something is described in Genesis as God giving us the divine image. You and I, before we are anything else, we're living, breathing images of God. When, when God gives you and I the gift of life, God wants us to know that we belong. We belong to God and we belong to each other. God's dream for us from the very beginning is that we will live lives within the context of unconditional community. God doesn't want any of us to have to live life alone. So God gives us not only the gift of life, but also the gift of sharing that life with others. The, the easy days, the hard days, the, the days that you'll always want to remember and the days you'd give anything to forget. And God doesn't just stop by asking us to share life with other people. God actually gives us and trusts us the ability to share our lives with all the other kinds of life that move all around us. God gives us the skies and the trees and the birds and the fish and the cattle and even the earth itself. God gives us the rest of creation. God entrusts all of it to us from mountains to molecules. And God asks us to rule over all of it the same way that God reigns over us from the very beginning. God reigns over us with goodness and gentleness and grace. God wants us to experience, God wants us to know what it's like to live in harmony with the rest of the symphony of creation. God wants us to live at peace, peace within ourselves, peace within our communities, peace within our world. And that place inside of you, that place in your heart that longs to live in all-encompassing peace, that's what the Bible calls the image of God. It's the way the Bible says to us from the very beginning, we can resemble the God who creates us. And you know, it's, it's never exactly clear beyond this kind of amazing phrase, what all the image of God means. What, what the image of God can do in my life and in your life and in the life of the world. But we can say this much. To be created in the image of God is to be created in divine love, by divine love, in order to share divine love. It's as simple and as complicated as that. Right? That, that you and I are created in divine love, by divine love, in order to share divine love. To be created in the image of God, then, is to live not out of a, a deep sense of insecurity, but instead to, to live out of a deep sense of limitless value and priceless worth. What that means is, is you don't have to prove yourself to yourself or anybody else in order to prove that you're, you're someone that should be loved. 
Because as the story begins, not just at the start, but even somehow before the very start, you are loved. You're already loved. You will always be loved. And nothing that you do, nothing that anybody else does, nothing that happens or doesn't happen will ever change the fact that you are created in that divine love. To be created in the image of God is to live not by your own efforts alone, but instead to also find a way to rely on the efforts of of this God who creates you. The God who actually is love itself in its purest form. You, You aren't meant to ever outgrow your need for this God who is love to be actively taking care of you every single day. The the love that I'm talking about, it it not only makes life possible, but it makes life worth living. It's not just a love that, that sets your value and worth from the very start, but it is a love that sets this grace-filled future that God promises you into motion. You're not just created in divine love, but you are created by divine love. It is in every moment of your life. To be created in the image of God is also to live not just for yourself, but for the sake of others. The the love that creates us and takes care of us also calls us to open our hearts and to live lives that are accessible and vulnerable to one another. You're not meant to live a life that's mostly about yourself because when you live a life that's mostly about yourself, I'm pretty sure it's the loneliest way you can possibly live and you're not meant to live alone. God says, I didn't create you to be all by yourself and to be self-sufficient. I created you to need others. I think we hear that and we say, yeah, I know that I need God. But God says, yes, you, you do need me, but you also need other people in your life, people you can tell the truth to, people you can lean on, people who can lean on you. And I know, brothers and sisters, I know that there are times when that kind of community feels almost too costly. There are moments when it seems like that kind of community asks for too much. But God wants us to trust that from the very beginning, from before the very beginning, We are created with a need for community, a community of completely shared life. And while it may at times seem too costly, it is always, always worth it. You could have everything else in the world if you don't have anyone to share life with. Well, you know how empty that would be. And God doesn't want that kind of experience for any of us. God wants us to push past the relationships, the the struggles that we have in those relationships that at times might tempt us to give up on relationship altogether. He wants us to remember that as difficult as it can sometimes be to share life, life is meant to be shared. You and I have been created in divine love, by divine love, in order to share divine love. And if we want to embrace our foundational role in this epic story of scripture, this is the place we have to start. 
Now, for the, the sake of this study, we're, we're breaking up the entire story of Scripture into six large sections or into six major chapters. And we're doing that so that we can hold the entire plot line of the Bible in our hearts and minds all at the same time. We're calling this first chapter creation for obvious reasons. And, and you'll notice on the screens that this first chapter not only concerns the events that take place at the very beginning, but it's also a chapter in which human beings, people, Adam and Eve, are fully experiencing God's ideal for us, God's dream for us, God's hope for us. And hopefully you're able to notice that that short, just barely dotted black line that's going across the, the blue line that says God's ideal. And what that simply means for us, it illustrates for us that human beings at this point in the story are embodying the ways that they truly are living, breathing images of God. That, that this is life at its best. Life at its fullest potential. Now I want to be clear, this is not Adam and Eve's doing. This is not something that they're able to accomplish on their own. God's ideal, life at its best, human life at its, at its fullest potential, is not something that you and I can force to happen through sheer force of will or through obedience or anything else. This is something that at its basic foundation is given to us. It is grace. But in that same way, it's something we have to choose to receive into our lives. And so we partner with God. We don't make it happen, but we, we receive it into our lives. We, we reorder our lives because of this gift. And we're able to have the kind of life God wants us to have from the very beginning in those moments when we fully trust that we want to be the people God says we were created to be. In fact, God's ideal only happens when in receiving that goodness and that grace from God into our lives and then partnering with it, living that goodness and that grace out towards one another. That's the only time God's ideal actually exists in our world. We try our very best and God steps into our lives, into our situations, into our experiences. And through us trying our very best to trust and be obedient, we find that God then takes that and is able to create something that is far beyond what we could ever ask or imagine. Now, here's what I want you to, to hear this morning. And, and here's what I want you to, to live with this week. I think the best thing about focusing on the very beginning of a story is potential. Right? It's, it's a story that could go in any direction at that point. And while you know that there's a lot at risk and you know that things might go bad and you know that, that people might make some mistakes, you're also filled with hope that things might be amazing. You're filled with a hope that, that things might actually go in directions that are, that are better than you could ever come up through your own imagination or through your own dreams or hopes. And so we're at the very beginning of Scripture here, and, and this is what I, I want you to, to understand. That while in our lives, in our relationships with, with, with each other, there's only one beginning. And once you get past it, well, you start to think you've pretty much figured the other person out. 
But I want you to remember that very beginning. And for me, when I think about a first moment of relationship, the very beginning, I think about the births of both of our daughters. I think about how I felt in those first few moments of them breathing in my arms and me looking into their faces and feeling more than anything else that anything was possible. That anything was possible for them. That anything was possible for the world because they were in it. Okay, now, as human beings, when, when our children start to grow or our relationships start to develop, maybe it's not a birth that you would think about. Maybe it's the first time that you saw somebody that you were going to fall in love with and then dedicate to spend the rest of your life with. Maybe it's the first time you, you met your best friend in the world. I don't know what, what image, what memory you have in your heart when it comes to this potential but I want you to remember what it feels like. And then I want you to admit that all it takes is one mistake. All it takes is one slip up. All it takes is one disappointment for you to decide that maybe you were wrong. Here's the good news of the story of scripture. It doesn't just happen once. It keeps happening. And there isn't only one beginning. Because of Jesus Christ, we are always living in a new beginning. And that while we may look at one another and decide we've already figured each other out and we know everybody's weaknesses and the places where they're likely to make a mistake, and while we may label one another because of the the mistakes they've made in their life, our God refuses to do that. God refuses to see you that way. And so whatever has happened in your life up to this moment, whatever you've done that you regret, that you wish you had never done, whatever's happened to you that you wish just hadn't ever happened, the good news of the story of Scripture is that this moment, God looks at you, And it's a brand new beginning. That that you are filled with potential. That you haven't wasted it. That you, you haven't squandered it. That you aren't trapped by your past and who you've been. That because of Jesus Christ, every day is truly a new day. That every moment can be a new moment. Now, we have to partner with this hope. We, we have to receive this promise. We have to believe it so much that it actually changes the way not only we think God sees us, but the way we start to see one another. That we have lives that are shaped by a love that is stronger than anything we've done or anything that's been done to us. The sun came up this morning. The sun rose this morning. Because God told it to. That's the way Jewish people view the world, is that it keeps happening because God keeps creating it. Now, we've reduced that to language of of laws and 
And this just happens because it's supposed to happen. But as people of faith, we believe that, that the God who sustains the universe, the God who makes those laws predictable, decided this morning that the sun would come up. And he said, let there be light. And there was light. And you woke up this morning because God woke you up this morning. I hope he didn't wake you up too early. But you woke up this morning, you rose this morning, because God said, let there be you. And so this day truly is a new day. It's the first day. And I want us to believe that. Not just, I don't want just to to have that hope in my own heart for myself, but I want to believe it for you, and I want you to believe it for me, and I want us to be a community that believes That we are at our best when we are partnering with God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit to extend divine love to every corner of creation. And that that love says, you can be a brand new person. If you'll let God recreate you, you can be brand new. And that, brothers and sisters, is good news. Not just good news, very good news, supremely good news. We're going to sing together now, and as we do, some shepherding couples will be just outside of these double doors. They're there to pray with you, to talk with you, to receive you. They can tell you a little bit more about our church family. They can tell you a little bit more about what it would be like to start a formal relationship with God, to become a Christian. So if you have any questions at all, anything you want to pray about or talk about, please go to those couples as together we stand and sing.